inside the 30. Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown. You're listening to the Pigskin Project, the world's number one football podcast. Now with more insights on all things football, here are your hosts, Ben Hansen and Ryan Matthews. Welcome to episode four of the Pigskin Project. And me and Ryan were able to get a special guest on, uh, Chicago writer's name is Eric Lam- uh, Lambart. He's with us today. Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing good, guys. How are you doing? Fantastic. We are very excited to have you on the show this week. Um, when I remember telling Ben about, you know, the potential of maybe even getting you on here and um, we both were ecstatic. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on here. And with that, we're going to transition to the questions that we have for you um, before we get started into our typical, you know, weekly news and week in review and stuff like that. So Ben, what do you, what do you have for Eric as far as what you'd like to know? Um, the first thing I just want to ask or put out there is, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are? Uh, well, you know, I I've lived in the Chicago, you know, Northwest suburbs pretty much since I was two years old, I was born in Albuquerque and, you know, I, it's the, it's the funniest thing. I really didn't get into football until I was in high school, you know, in terms of watching it and whatnot. And I didn't become a bears fan until probably around the early 2000s so it's kind of, I was kind of a late start in that regard I didn't, didn't really grow up with that I was more of a Chicago Bulls fan because I grew up in the 90s so you know that makes sense um, and the funny thing is my dad introduced me to the Bears in terms of my fandom but he grew up an Eagles fan so it's kind of a weird dynamic I got going in my family in that regard but uh, you know, I started writing about the Bears probably around you know the early 2010s, and you know I got into sports mockery around 2013, give or take. And you know I've been working there ever since, and I've just sort of been you know getting more and more involved in writing about every aspect of the Bears. You know, off season is probably my favorite just because of all the you know the different ways you can construct a roster, construct a coaching staff, all the all the pieces fitting together, getting into a season. I'm always fascinated by stuff like that. So I sort of started writing about the draft at Fansided. And after a while, I sort of stepped away from there and com- committed myself full time to uh, sports mockery. And, you know, now you see the man you see in front of you. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's funny that you say your dad was an Eagles fan as well, because that's a dynamic me and Ryan have on this podcast. Uh, I am also an Eagles fan. Oh, very nice. I bet you were uh, a, a pretty happy camper a few years ago. Yes, hey, we don't have I to was. talk about that. Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, what um, else you got for him? But uh, as you said before, you're a sports writer. You write about uh, the Chicago Bears all the time. I was just interested in what your favorite piece that you've written about them is. Oh man, I'm always fascinated about the uh, the the higher up sort of stuff. GM, you know how how all that process works. I'm I've always been very fascinated by that and how they approach an off season when they're aggressive, when they tend to be a little more timid in, in their approaches. And I remember a while back, I wrote a piece about uh, one of the Bears' top executives, uh, Mark Hatley. He used to be sort of the de facto GM of the Bears from 1997 to 2000. And I looked back on his entire tenure and it was just so fascinating how it sort of 
went through this whole roller coaster of emotions in terms of it started out so poorly with a couple of really nasty first round picks, Curtis Enos and whatnot, you know, some really rough ones. And then the year, his final year of the draft, he lands Brian Urlacher and Mike Brown in his first two picks. And it's easily his best draft. And then an off season later, he gets fired. And it's just like, man, he was just, it felt like he was just starting to come into his own and then he gets canned in favor of Jerry Angelo. It was just a fascinating story that I sort of broke down in detail. And Dan Pompey, who is somebody I really respect, ended up retweeting that article on Twitter. So that was a really cool moment for me. So yeah, that's one I, that always sort of sticks out with me. Uh, that's awesome. And um, again, you were just talking about how you were, uh, you know, you like the off season and you like, uh, the higher ups of that sport. So I was wondering what your opinion on the coaching hire was. Cause I know personally, I really wanted an offensive guy for Justin Fields. I was a big proponent of um, Ryan Leftwich, mm-hmm. but just what are your opinions on um, Eric Bieniemy? Eric Bieniemy? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just read a tweet. Uh, Matt Eberflutes. Matt Eberflutes. Sorry. You know, actually, Initially, I was a little bit intrigued by Iberflus because I really liked what he did in uh, in Indianapolis with his defense. And the more I read up on him, the more I liked him because I, I watched a lot of clips about how he goes about his coaching and whatnot. And not not only did he come across as a motivator and an energetic sort of guy, but he came across as actually a really good teacher. And that's something I always look for in a really good head coach. Can they teach? And that was a problem I always felt was an issue with Matt Nagy. It didn't feel like he was the best teacher when it came to it, not just his offense, but, you know, football in general. He had great ideas, but he didn't know how to teach them properly. And that doesn't seem to be an issue with Eberflus. He comes across as a, just a good, solid football coach. And he's been doing this for 30 years. So he's very much prepared for this opportunity, unlike Nagy, who was probably thrust into that role a little, little before he was ready. So I like Eberflus. I, I get he's a defensive background guy, and you've got Justin Fields. You prefer to have an offensive guy overseeing his development, but it looks like Eberflus has this good plan in mind. He understands the type of offense he wants to run. He understands the person he wants to run it in Luke Getze. And they want to run a Shanahan style offense. And they're hiring a bunch of people who understand how to run that offense. So it looks like they have a good plan in place. And I think Fields would be a great fit for that offense because of his mobility, because of his ability to run off play action, bootlegs, and all that sort of stuff. So this is a good plan. And I think Iberflus is the sort of coach that would fit this city. You know, he's, he's tough, he's gritty, he believes in effort and passion and all that sort of stuff. So I think the hire in and of itself is very sound from the Bears' perspective. And uh, what do you guys think of your guys' offensive coordinator? You know, it's the fun... People are always looking for, you know, the the established guy, somebody who's done it before. And I totally understand that. But you also have to understand that you usually find more success when you look for that young up and coming guy who's hungry, but also a little bit experienced and gets he fits that mold perfectly. He's been up and coming for a while now, got a little bit of play calling experience at Mississippi State, did pretty well. And then he had three highly successful years as the passing game coordinator for the Packers and getting a chance to work with an established MVP type quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. He understands how to manage that position, how to manage the personality of that position. It's very important. And also his ability to mesh different types of offenses. He came up with uh, Joe Moorhead in college. You know, he learned that type of spread style offense and then 
he learned something completely different with Matt LaFleur in the Shanahan style offense. So that'll give him a good sort of broad stroke in terms of what he can put together for Justin Fields, working to his strengths and sort of trying to hide his weaknesses until they can start to work around those weaknesses and maybe turn them into strengths down the line. So I like the hire. He's clearly young. He's clearly hungry. And I always like that in a football coach. So I, I, I really like the hire. Yeah, Ryan. That's um oh man. So at, coming from a Bears fan's perspective, um, <laughs> Eric really knows how to get Bears fans to want to run through a wall, man. I I can't <laughs> wait for next season. It's gonna be great. Um, you know, kicking off with my questions, man. What do you think is the most challenging thing about your job? Uh, staying focused on the task at hand in terms of. My line of work is it, it can be difficult to make money in because writing in general, you know, you really need viewership in order to get in order to get paid decent wages for this. So I've always had to keep myself focused on writing at this many articles every day. And in, in, in my personal viewpoint, you need at least five or six to five or six per day in order to make an established income and then always staying engaged on Twitter, doing this every single day and, you know, just staying engaged with the fan base. You know, people always tell me that they're really happy that I engage with them on Twitter. And there's a reason I do this is because I like doing it obviously, but also because I think it's important because it keeps your, it keeps you in the, in the public mind and then sort of, using my articles to sort of feed that because that'll bring the viewership back in turn. So it's sort of a cycle thing I've learned over the years to sort of establish myself and then just incorporating things here and there, you know, my own podcast, you know, getting on other people's podcasts like this, just to, you know, you know, spread the love of the bears and also just, you know, let the, let people know that this is not just my job, but it's also my passion which is, you know, you don't do something as involved as I do without loving every second of it, which I do, because it can be taxing at times, you know, there are days where I'm completely exhausted, and my brain's completely fried, and I have no idea what I'm going to write, you know, throughout the course of the entire day, but I have to sort of hammer my head against the wall in order to get through it and just get it done, because you never know, even something you consider crap in terms of what you write might actually get decent viewership. It's just a question of maintaining that focus throughout, you know, a 365-day calendar. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And, you know, you did bring up, um, you know, interaction with fans and stuff like that on Twitter. Um, I did want to bring up because, uh, you know, I was just explaining to Ben before you got into the call, um, you know, how exactly I got to, you know, contact you and, you know, start to understand the type, the type of guy you are, um, you know, for anybody listening that hasn't talked to Eric directly, um, you know, he's a great guy that really does. Um, I mean, like you said, interact with people as much as he can, not just because it's part of his job, but just because it's something that he loves. Um, you know, I think that Eric is definitely um, somebody I would call an inspiration to what I'd like to do. Um, you know, and I'm not just saying that just to, you know, make you blush or anything, but <laughs> Um, you know, definitely something that I had thought about prior to getting into the whole, you know, college scene, um, you know, I, I didn't really know what exactly I wanted to do. Um, so, you know, being able to talk to Eric about, you know, how I could get into this profession and, you know, with him telling me journalism is the way to go. It was almost like, um, kind of like a calling in a way. 
And so, um, you know, in a time that I, that I needed it, um, it was, it was definitely something that I really, really appreciated too. But with that, um, you know, if you, if you don't mind telling people, you know, any kind of advice that you would have for anybody that wants to get into this type of field of work? Well, you know, I try to tell people this as often as I can because I made the mistake of not doing this is that be sure to take journalism in college because I feel that would be an absolutely crucial way to get opportunities because I didn't get a lot of, you know, frontline opportunities with certain, you know, ventures. I, I explored, you know, sort of internships at the Sun-Times, the Tribune, just to sort of try and get my foot in the door. I came close a couple of times, but I think my lack of a journalism background really worked against me. I had a writing background. I, I uh, took fictional writing, you know, for a bachelor's degree at Columbia College in Chicago, and then I went back for a master's in the teaching of writing, and I think that really helped me sort of find my own voice in terms of how I write my articles. And I think that sort of worked for me, but I do believe if I had gone back in time and told myself, be sure to take journalism and all that sort of stuff, I absolutely would have and should have done it because I think that would have helped me. So I try to tell people the same thing, you know, find ways to take writing in college, journalism, creative writing, because all of that can help you in various ways. And the other thing I try to tell them is this line of work is tough. You need to be able and willing to grind because that's what it can be for a lot of these young up and coming types of writers. Most writers don't have salaried positions. So you're directly lined up with how much views you can bring in if you wanna get paid doing this. So you have to be prepared to grind every single day, write decent articles, and then sort of feed those articles into social media and engage people on them. And that's sort of what I've learned to do over the past several years. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. And then, you know, lastly, um, you did say earlier when Ben asked, um, you know, you said that the off season is something that you really like to write about and think about just because, you know, the pieces of the team and, you know, the organization. Um, with that, do you think you can give us a slight preview for what you think would happen in your off season for the Chicago Bears? To me, it's all about real reallocating resources. The Bears don't have a lot. They've got five picks, no first round pick. They they have 43 million, give or take, uh, dollars in terms of salary cap space, but that's not a lot because they've got a lot of in-house free agents they need to juggle. So they're going to have to be very judicious about where they spend their money and where they spend their picks. And to me, it's pretty simple and straightforward. You've got Justin Fields. He's on his rookie contract. You don't have as much time as you think. So you need to build around him. You need to devote as many resources as possible to giving him the best possible chance to succeed this year and moving forward. So I think they're going to focus heavily on the offensive line. I think they're going to focus heavily on wide receiver because they're really weak at those two areas. So knowing Ryan Poles from the research we've done and what, how he's talked, I think the offensive line is going to be a heavy focus this offseason in free agency, maybe a trade and in the draft. And then they're going to sort of try and piece together some weapons for him as well. So they might do, you know, certain things at cornerback, which they do need help at. Absolutely. But, you know, they've got pieces on defense to be still a pretty good defense this year. They're going to have to rearrange at linebacker because it doesn't really fit the type 
I think Rokon Smith's going to be a member, but they got two other positions with a shift to the four, three that they're going to have to do. And then I feel they've got a good defensive line presence with Mac with Quinn, but they need really need to worry about the defensive tackle spot. They probably should bring back Bilal Nichols. I think he's going to be a great fit for the three technique position. So I would work on that, but offensively, they really need more work, not just in terms of coaching, but in terms, just, just in terms of talent, because they, I think they're lacking a wide receiver and offensive line, especially. Yeah, you brought up a lot of solid points. And, um, you know, I know you can't really go too in depth with it on the spot, but I'm really looking forward to that article whenever it comes out. Um, but with that, we're going to transition into the week in review. Um, you know, it is a short week this this past week because uh, it was only conference championship matchups. The Rams ended up beating the 49ers 20 to 17 at home to make it the first ever situation where a team plays at their home stadium in both the NFC championship and the Super Bowl. And then the Bengals stunned the Chiefs 27 to 24 in overtime. Ben, we did talk before we started recording. Um, you said that you had a couple of things that you'd wanted to say about the Bengals beating on the Chiefs. Um, what you got for me, buddy? I was just really excited to see the Bengals win because the turnaround from last year to this year is crazy. And, um, you know, Eric was talking about young quarterback. Um, you know, personally, I think that's the best way if you can do it, succeed in the NFL is to get a rookie quarterback. Because if your quarterback is making that little of a salary but playing so well, you can allocate those resources somewhere else. So, um, and, I, and I think the Bengals are a perfect uh, showcase of, you know, how to do that with how quick their turnaround was. And Joe Burrow is just, he's so special. And, I mean, seeing him and uh, Patrick Mahomes balling out with each other, it was, it was fun. And, um, you know, when the Chiefs won that coin flip, I – you know, I thought it was going to be the same situation as it was the week before with the um, with the Bills and Chiefs. Uh, but it was it was just a really entertaining game to watch. And I mean, same for the Rams as well, because uh, the Rams late in that game, they uh, or the 49ers late in that game could have sealed it. I mean, their safety dropped that interception and it was a shame. But that was also a really, really good game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if, if we look at this conference championship and, you know, actually this playoff as a whole, you realize that, you know, two more games were decided by three points and five out of the total 12 games have been decided by that margin of points. It's been a great playoff this year. Eric, what did you think about, you know, the matchup so far and, you know, spe more specifically speaking, the conference championship this past weekend? It's been a great postseason. I mean, the wild card round started out pretty rough with a lot of blowout losses in, and, you know, non-competitive games. But, man, it, it picked up steam, you know, pretty fast there. And every game was close and every game was exciting. And, you know, in terms of the conference championships, uh, I picked the Rams to win because I felt they had the quarterback advantage. And in the playoffs, I always tend to lean who has the better quarterback. And the Rams were at home. It is, they had a decent enough defense and Matthew Stafford is motivated. And I, and I just think he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers had their opportunities. They coached a good game. They kept it close. It was a sort of a sl slug fest, but in the end, you know, Stafford made more plays as I expected him to. And, you know, the, they earned their way, you know, through this postseason, upsetting the bucks. I thought Stafford played outstanding in that game against the bucks. And, you know, he really deserves this opportunity after what he had to go through in Detroit. So I'm very happy for him. 
in terms of the Bengals, I expected them to compete for a Super Bowl, but not this fast. You know, I expected it would probably be another year or so before they were in it because I'm a huge Joe Burrow fan. I was so jealous of the Bengals when they got that number one pick and I knew they were going to get Burrow because I wanted him so bad, but I knew it wasn't going to happen. And, you know, he's such a good quarterback. I saw so much of Tony Romo in him, but with, you know, a much more calm, you know, so good under pressure type of mentality. So I knew he was going to be good. And, but with their offensive line being as bad as it is, I just didn't think they'd be able to get through the playoffs, but he managed to navigate it. Those receiver, that receiving core is outstanding led by Jamar Chase. And, but the real story of this postseason for the Bengals is their defense, the turnaround they've managed to have, have in the past year. Trey Hendrickson has been a tremendous player, Jesse Bates, just so many underrated players on that defense and what they did to Kansas city in that game in the second half defies description because Patrick Mahomes is an undoubtedly the best quarterback in the game right now. You just can't argue it. He's been utterly phenomenal pretty much since he stepped on the field and to shut him down, intercept him like that when it's crunch time in, in, in overtime, when you're gassed, you're, you're tired, they still made a play and they went on to win the game with a rookie kicker kicking in overtime. I mean, that's just great stuff. And, you know, I'm really cheering for the Bengals. They've endured a lot of pain over the years, not just in the Super Bowl back in the 80s, but, you know, with all the losing they did in the 90s and the, you know, the brutal playoff losses they had to do, had to endure in the 2000s. So I'm really rooting for them. They've, they've earned this opportunity to try and win it, finally win a Lombardi trophy. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, me and Ben have definitely um, discussed the Bengals and the Rams um, throughout the last couple episodes. And, you know, you, you want to talk about um, Matthew Stafford and, you know, from our point of view and, you know, you'll look at the NFC North play and you'll, you know, like you said, Matthew Stafford had a very rough time in Detroit. Um, ben and I have talked about that multiple times. Um, so, you know, as for me, I guess I'm kind of in a predicament as to, you know, who I'd like to win in the Super Bowl just because, you know, I do think Matthew Stafford has a limited amount of time remaining. Um, but I mean, Joe Burrow, what is there not to like about this kid? I mean, he is such a fun person to watch, you know, and then you have Jamar Chase and T Higgins. It's T Higgins, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, you know, I for some reason, I have a problem with remembering players names on here. But um, I mean, it's a very, very you know, electrifying offense, um, even without, you know, the offensive line that we all thought would need to come into fruition before they come in to the, the playoffs with the, you know, with the even a thought of the Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, I'm in a predicament, but it really does sound like, is it fair to say that you're rooting for the Bengals in, in the Super Bowl? Team wise, yes, I am rooting for the Bengals because they've never won a Super Bowl. I always cheer for the team that has never won a Super Bowl before because it's a great story. But for, if we're picking players I'm cheering for, it's Matthew Stafford, 100%. I understand he was with the Lions, he was a rival, but man, what he had to go through with that team and still being the best quarterback by far they've ever had in the Super Bowl era gave them everything he had over those years, all the pain he had to endure. You know, I came to respect him so much. So if I could see him get a ring, that would be really cool because honestly, I think Burrow's going to have multiple shots at it. So yeah. if he doesn't happen to get it this year, I know he's going to be back because he's that kind of player. So, you know, I wouldn't be mad if the Rams won. I wouldn't be mad if the Bengals won. It's one of those rare Super Bowls where I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, with that, I'm going to segue into this because you set me up perfectly. Um, <laughs> speaking of rings, 
um, you know, our weekly news has a pretty, I, I want to say shocking just because nobody really believed it considering how long he played. But Tom Brady has officially retired after a crazy mix up with all of the different reports and everything that were coming in. Um, ben, you did say that you wanted to say something a little bit about this as well. Um, I'm just wanting to pay my respects here as far as his career goes. But, you know, what you got for me, buddy? Yeah, and as a Michigan fan, you know, love to see it. He's, oh. you know, flourish. He's, <laughs> he's spent, you know, he, he's been a great, again, undoubtedly the best quarterback to ever play the game. Um, but it was funny because you called it the last episode. You know, you, you were saying you think Tom Brady was going to retire. Um, but the weird thing about this whole situation, and this isn't the first time it happened this week, because, again, it happened later on this week, and we'll get to it, but you had conflicting reports. You know, Adam Scheffner came out and said, Tom is retiring, he's leaving. And then a few hours later, you know, more reports came out saying, you know, maybe he's not leaving. Adam apologized saying he jumped the gun. Um, so it was just really interesting. And then eventually, you know, two or three days later, he ended up um, like officially putting out there that he was retiring. Uh, but it was just weird seeing how there was uh, conflicting reports about all that. Yeah, absolutely. And then Eric, what are, what are your thoughts before we get into the next couple of points here for the weekly news? It just felt like Tom wanted to do it himself. You know, he's always been a guy who likes to operate on his own terms. So when the whole report started to come out that, no, he's not retiring, he hasn't made a decision yet, that was just him sending a message to everybody else that I'm going to be the one who breaks the news, not you. So <laughs> I had no doubt that Schefter and Darlington were correct in, in reporting that he was going to retire, but they jumped the gun, like he said. So that's what that whole thing was about. I had no doubt that he probably was retiring. It felt like it was trending in that direction for the past year or so. And, you know, for me, the it, it was always like the only reason he was still playing was to prove a point to the Patriots that he didn't need them to win. And then he goes out and wins a Super Bowl with the Bucs in his first year <laughs> away from the Patriots. After he accomplished that, there really was nothing left to prove. He's got way more rings than everybody else. He's won a ring with two different teams. He's 44 years old. He's got his whole life ahead of him, a, a very lucrative career, probably in broadcasting if he decides to take it. So it's time to move on, spend more time with his family. And I think he's very much at peace with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to go a little bit out of order just because um, it, it just makes sense here. But speaking of Ben's Michigan, um, Jim Harbaugh just kind of left Michigan but also kind of didn't Ben. I mean, the biggest Michigan fan I know you got to have some kind of viewpoint on this. <laughs> yeah. And um, again, and this is what I was referring to with the Tom Brady point um, the night before um, that would have been Tuesday night. Um, you know, people were coming out saying he is getting the job and, you know, it was pretty much consensus that he was getting the job. Um, but then later that next day, it came out that he decided to not get the job. And now there's still conflicting reports out there of whether he turned it down or they didn't offer him the job. Um, but I'm just happy to have him back. I hope Michigan doesn't have to deal with this for the next 10 years. And he, he said they wouldn't have to, but we'll see. But um, they actually already hired their new head coach anyways. So it'll work out for them. It's, it's very funny just because, um, you know, you, you want to talk about a, a difficult offseason. You want to look at the Minnesota Vikings for, for this year alone. I mean, yep. 
you know, or, or, I mean, even, even last year too, I mean, they really wanted Justin Fields obviously didn't fall to them. Um, you know, and then you want to look at different hires. They wanted Ryan Poles as general manager again, didn't fall to them. Um, you know, and then you look at Jim Harbaugh again and again, didn't fall to them. So, I mean, in Minnesota is a great team too. I believe that they are built to win now. Um, you know, I definitely think they have a bright future ahead of them, but Eric, I mean, what else you got for me? You know, from everything I had heard, it's that Harbaugh came into this thinking his stock as a coach was pretty much back to where it was in 2014 after he'd had that great run with the 49ers. He'd just gone 12 and 2 with Michigan, got them to the college football playoff, had beaten Ohio State. He vindicated himself after so many years of being questioned as a coach. So he probably went in thinking that, you know, the NFL teams were ready to line up for him and he was making pretty high demands. He wanted, you know, significant control and personnel and he wanted, you know, an, ex an exorbitant contract like Gruden level type contract from teams. And, you know, unsurprisingly, owners balked at that. They're like, you know, we're interested in you, Jim, but we're not that interested in you. And once he started to realize you know, that the, that the interest was there, but it wasn't as intense as he was expecting, the Bears started to drift in a different way. The Raiders started to drift in a different way. And once he realized that Minnesota probably wasn't going to work, he's like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm going back to Michigan. And, you know, the Vikings ended up going with Kevin O'Connell. So, you know, it's it was such a weird ride the entire time. And I'm honestly not surprised he didn't end up getting a job because it felt like to me, it felt like it was either going to be the Bears or it was going to be Michigan because I felt that the Bears were the one job that he truly coveted in terms of a dream type NFL job because he played for the Bears for a long time. He respected the hell out of Ditka. So to me, that felt like the like it made the most sense, much more than the Raiders, in my opinion. So when the, when the Bears sort of fell out of the picture, I felt there's no way he's coming to the NFL. And when the Viking stuff happened, I'm like, there's no way. He's going to the Vikings. There's no way. And sure enough, <laughs> when the news came out, I started laughing so hard because, of course, the Vikings didn't do it. So, you know, he's back where he belongs, in my opinion. I think he's much better off at Michigan if he's not going to be in Chicago as a head coach. So he might end up coming to the NFL down the line just to see if he can get one more crack at the Super Bowl. But I think he's probably where he should be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Agree. I, um, I did want to note just before, you know, we transition to the next headline. Um, you did say, I mean, in your opinion that, you know, the Raiders didn't really make much sense. And I am right there with you just because, um, you know, I, I think going from San Francisco to, you know, Las Vegas or, you know, I, I guess you could also say Oakland is, um, I mean, it's an intense rivalry. And I think uh, that is something that you don't want to touch. Um, so, you know, that's, that's in, and I'm sorry for any bears fans listening, but that's the equivalent of Ditka going to, you know, green Bay or something, not necessarily skill level as far as coaching, but, you know, just because of what he's done for the franchise and everything, um, you know, I'm going to read a couple more headlines before we get into our next point that we're going to be talking about. Um, you know, Brian Dabble was hired by the giants this week. Brian Leftwich was also pulling out of the Jags coaching search. Um, a big one I, I do want to talk about is the Washington football team changes their name to the Washington Commanders. And there's been mixed feelings about this, you know, throughout all the media and everything. I personally don't mind it. I don't think that it's a terrible name. I think that 
I was more of a fan of, say, the Washington Red Wolves, for example. Um, but guys, what do you, you know, I'll, I'll start with Ben just because he hasn't talked in a little bit. Ben, what were your, you know, first thoughts when the Commanders came out as the number one? This is what we're doing. I, I thought the Commanders was fine. This, uh, people kind of knew that this is what it was going to be a day or two before they actually um, announced it. I think it's fine. I would have preferred DC Commanders better. I just think that sounds a little bit better. And I, I like the Red Wolves better as well, but uh, it's a fine name. <laughs> Eric, any thoughts? You know, it's it's a benign name. And after going with the Redskins for so long and trying to defend it, you know, from, you know, the new the newer cultures today, I understand why they went that direction. And it makes sense because you're in Washington, D.C., the home of the commander in chief, the president. So right. it's a nice, nice little juxtaposition to sort of let everybody know where they're coming from. And, you know, I think people will get used to commanders and it'll start to flow a little bit better. People tend to be a little reactionary to team names. You got to let it sit for a while to see if it, you know, really settles in. And I think this one will end up being fine. Right. I'm right there with you. Um, and then as we get into our last headline, Josh McDaniels is getting hired by the Raiders as head coach. Um, my only question is, is he, is he actually going to take it this time or is he going to back out and go, go back to where he came from? Ben, you had a, a point on this one. What, what you got for me? Um, I, I'm, I'm a fan of the hire. Um, it goes back to kind of what I was saying uh, about the Bears hire. I, I think it's a fine hire. I don't think it's a bad hire by any means, but I think they should have just hired Rich, their interim head coach, uh, because, I mean, they lacked culture for 10, 15 years, even under Gruden. And uh, Rich, when he stepped in as their interim head coach, like, pulled that team out of that midseason gutter and was able to get them to the playoffs. And I mean, numerous players came out, you know, talking about, you know, talking about their support for Rich. And I think they should have just hired Rich instead of Josh, but I don't think Josh is a bad hire by any means. Eric? You know, I do believe it's for real this time with Josh McDaniels for one key reason, and that's because they hired Dave Ziegler as the GM. He's a Patriots guy. He's known Josh for a long time, and I think that's what Josh was looking for in Indianapolis back in 2018. And when he realized he wasn't going to get that kind of setup, you know, in with the Colts, he kind of, you know, got cold feet and backed out, and it was this whole whole messy thing. So this time around, I do believe he's going to stick because he, he has somebody he trusts at the top. And uh, I for better or worse, Mark Davis is a guy that swings to the fences. You know, he swung for the fences with John Gruden. He's going to do that with Josh McDaniels. And if there's anybody who can maximize Derek Carr, it's going to be Josh McDaniels. So I think it's going to be great for Carr in terms of the rest of the team. I have no idea because we all saw what happened in Denver. You could argue that he was really young back then, probably wasn't ready at the time. So he's a little older. He's a little wiser. He's more experienced. So I, I think his second tenure will probably go a lot better than his first in terms of, you know, whether or not he's going to be able to compete in that division. That's another, that's another story because you're going to have to go through Patrick Mahomes. You're going to have to go through Justin Herbert. That, that, that's going to be a competitive division for a long time. And, you know, I'm going to have fun watching it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to to end this segment, um, I, I have one question for you, just because, you know, the whole Bears writer gig and everything, who did, you know, after all these head coaching hires, um, who did you originally want for head coach before Eberflus was hired? 
this, it, it was so weird because I was more into the GM search than I was the head coach search because I didn't really see any gotta have a guy for the head coaching circuit, which is kind of rare. I mean, there were a lot of solid options, but nobody that really stood out as a guy that, oh, I've got to have him. So, you know, in terms of my logical thinking, I'm like, it should probably be Brian Dable because of what he's done with Josh Allen. He seems ready. He's learned under Nick Saban. He's learned under Sean McDermott. He's learned under Bill Belichick. He felt like he was ready. It's just a question of, was he not interviewing well? Because of, you know, he probably should have been a head coach already. But he ended up going to the Giants, which I think makes more sense in terms of a fit because he's from he went to Rochester for college. He went to high school in, in the New York area. So it just felt like a nice fit for that team and that in that franchise. And, you know, all in all, I wasn't upset by the Eberflus hire. He felt like a guy who was a qualified candidate, you know, but, you know, I thought the way Ben did, you probably should have not should have, but maybe should have thought about an offensive guy to sort of mesh with Justin Fields, but considering the last two times that the bears have tried that with Nagy and Tressman didn't go well at all. So they're sort of sticking closer to their identity with Eberflus as the higher defensive, tough minded, that sort of coach. And that tends to work for this, for this team. And it's just a question of can Eberflus do what some other defensive guys like McDermott, Belichick and Carroll have done and sort of maximize their quarterback. We'll see. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Um, so to, Pure, to segue, hold on, hold on Ryan. yeah, yeah, for sure. Cut you off real quick. Uh, one more thing that, uh, I mean, it just got big probably an hour before we started recording. We didn't have this on our original list. Um, and this is why I said Eric Bienemy when talking about Matt Eberflus. Um, the Saints are trying to reach out to the offensive coordinator, Eric Bienemy, uh, to interview him for their head coaching job. Wow. Okay. So that's, I think, two straight weeks that we've had breaking news on our podcast, even though it's not necessarily, um, you know, going to be released live or anything, but um, you're getting our live reactions. That's, that's pretty big for New Orleans fans. Um, Hopefully it goes through and everything works out. Um, Definitely a weird situation over there. um, You know, as far as cap situation and players, the quarterbacks not there that, you know, their franchise quarterback isn't there. Um, and then now their head coach, I mean, just kind of left them in a little bit of a rut. But, um, you know, with that being said, we are going to have a little bit of fun this um, this week. You know, it's Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl week. Sorry. Um, you know, so it's really, really hard to predict the outcome of a game where everybody's just trying to have a little bit of fun on their almost like a vacation type deal for a game um, like the Pro Bowl. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to give it to, um, my best friend, my co-host, uh, you know, the biggest college football brain that I know, and then also accompanied by Eric Lambert, which does a fantastic job in the off season covering mock drafts and, you know, all the rookies and all the buildup and everything that, like I said before, makes Chicago fans want to run through a wall. So I'm going to set the microphone down i'm gonna hand it off to these two geniuses and give them their spotlight for ben's college corner and yeah i i know i was really excited uh to talk to you because ryan was telling me uh that you're a big draft guy big offseason guy and that's that's kind of my thing i mean that's what really pulled me into football because i was a big um college football fan and then slowly but surely throughout the draft uh 
got into the NFL and now, now the draft is my favorite thing. You know, I'll spend hours reading tens of thousands of mock drafts, you know, trying to find any kind of film I can on prospects. So. But, oh, no question. I mean, it, it, I, I've built up an inventory of various places that feature great content in terms of that. So, you know, I always look out for certain people who I feel deliver great scouting reports and scouting reports I trust to sort of tip me off to prospects that I might not have seen initially in terms of who should who I should be looking at because they have probably better connections than I do. <laughs> so, you know, I, and over the time I've learned you know, what to look for in terms of mentality, what to learn, look for in terms of, you know, physical attributes. And I have this sort of, I, I, I'm not as detailed as some other people are in terms of their scouting reports, but I, I've always felt I have a certain knack for, you know, identifying specific types of players that I would like on my team. And I'm hoping that the Bears would draft. One I was always proud of was Eddie Jackson, because I was a huge Eddie Jackson fan back leading into the 2017 draft. And when the bears drafted him, I was absolutely ecstatic. I'm like, Oh, this guy's going to be so awesome for them. in that Vic Fangio defense. And he ends up becoming an all pro a year later. So, you know, that was always one of my favorite draft moments that I've always experienced. Yeah. And, um, and I want to get to asking you about who you want the bears to get, but, you know, before we do that, I don't know how much you've kept up with the senior bowl this week, but I mean, some of my favorite, you know, content comes out of the senior bowl. Sure. Uh, so. You know, I was really happy that they put Jalen Tolbert in the senior bowl, the wide receiver out of South Alabama. I am a big fan of his. I, I got a late start on evaluating prospects for the senior bowl. So I'm kind of behind, but Tolbert was one that popped out to me right away. Six, three, good speed runs, runs solid routes. But most importantly, he, he attacks the football in the air. He makes tough catches. And he seems like sort of that alpha type receiver who feels like that when the ball's in the air, it's his ball to get. So, you know, he's somebody that really stood out to me. I understand he comes from a smaller program, but I think he's going to be that type of kid that really transitions to the NFL level really well. So I'm hoping the Bears are keeping an eye on him. Absolutely. And another small school big wide receiver down there in uh, Mobile that I really like. Um, I don't know if you know much about him is uh, Christian Watson, uh, Watson out of North Dakota state. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's tall. He's, he's getting six, all the buzz right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's tall. He's six, four, but I mean, he can run out of the gym. I, I really like him. I mean, you know, FCS players are, you always got to be careful with them because they play much lesser competition. So it's always a question of, are they dominating that competition? Because if they're dominating that competition, it's like, okay, if they're dominating them, they can probably hang with the big boys. So this week was going to be very important for him going up against much more established talent from places like Georgia, Alabama, all that sort of stuff. So it sounds like he's performing really well, which is exactly what you want to hear. So you know, given his size, given his speed, I think his route running probably needs work, which is not unexpected because he's coming from a smaller, you know, program, but he feels like somebody who's going to ascend and maybe, maybe even compete for that uh, top 32 spot. Yeah. I mean, I would hope and another player getting a lot of buzz coming out of the senior bowl, somebody I've liked, but I, I didn't even think he was going to perform this well as Jermaine Johnson out of Florida state. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, <laughs> Uh, this was day two of the practice. It's a uh, first practice that we're allowed to watch or that they were streaming. I mean, he went up against another, hopefully top 32 pick in uh, Darian Kennard. And I mean, he put Darian Kennard on his butt. I mean, he's, I love watching him. He's a great pass rusher. He can set the edge. He has all the athletic tools. I really enjoy watching him. 
Oh, no question. I mean, he, he looks like one of those rare hybrid types who could probably play 4-3 defensive end or 3-4 outside linebacker. He's got the size. He's got good length. He clearly has a motor because it shows up every time you watch him on tape. So it feels like he's really just starting to scratch the surface of what he can really do. And he's showing everybody that at the senior bowl. So he's kind of peaking at the perfect time. And I think this week is going to serve him so well, because initially I felt he was probably going to be in the second early second round range, but now you really have to start talking like as good as this defensive line class is, he might still squeeze himself into that first round conversation. I sure hope. Um, Another big thing coming out of this draft is there is no like established QB one, like we had with Joe Burrow in the past Mm -hmm. and everything. Um, I'm just wondering who, I don't know how much you've dug into it because the bears have Justin Fields now, but I was wondering who you liked because personally I like Matt Corral. Obviously he's not here at the senior bowl, but I was wondering who you like. You know, it's such an interesting crop because they all have traits that you like. You know, there are some guys who throw so accurately at certain times, Kenny Pickett being one of them. I like Desmond Ritter, although he's a little on the thin side. He, he seems to throw the ball really well. He seems like a confident type. You got Malik Willis with that howitzer of a right arm of his. He's he's that traits guy, that guy like a Justin Herbert or a Josh Allen that who might not be ready right now, but if you get him in the right environment, he's probably going to be a stud if he takes to it the way those two did. So it, it's a really strong crop. I like Malik Willis because of that. I also like Matt Coral. I think uh, Carson Strong has more you know capability than people are talking about. You know, it's, it's a decent crop, but it, there's always, there's a lot of questions with some of these guys that you, you know, you're, you, you, you hate to have that. Yeah. But moment, but there's a lot of them with some of these guys, unfortunately, that doesn't mean there's that some of them are, aren't going to be good quarterbacks. It's just, it, there's not a lot of guys from like last year or the year before, like a Joe Burrow or, or not, or whatnot that have that feel of being somebody who's going to be good in the NFL, given the right amount of time. Yeah. And um, funny that you talked about Malik Willis because he is, I mean, all reports, I mean, he is lighting up the senior bowl. I mean, everybody is kind of talking that, you know, after this weekend, hopefully he has like supplanted himself um, at the number one spot. And I don't think it's going to happen, but the news that came out is that the Steelers really love him and they would love to get their hands on him. Uh, But I mean, I don't know, unless they trade up, I don't think he's getting that far. I mean, you, you never know. Kevin Colbert might want to go out and, you know, in a little bit of a blaze of glory. He's traded up before, so I wouldn't put it past him to try again. It all depends on how the other teams feel about Willis. He's been projected as a second rounder, but we all know he's going to rise up into the first round because quarterbacks always rise. His talent is going to get him there. And his performance at the senior bowl is the first step in that. So I think he's going in the first round, probably I don't know if he's going to get into the top 10. It might be towards the 11 to 20 range, somewhere in there. So if the Steelers can get get themselves into there, he feels like a guy who would be a perfect Steelers quarterback, you know, strong right arm, good for that, you know, tough weather late in the season, you know, and you've got a guy like Tomlin who's developed quarterbacks before. So it makes sense. It's just a question of if somebody will beat them to the punch. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and another thing, me and Ryan had a debate Um a few podcasts ago about um, Baker Mayfield. But another thing coming out of this is the Browns uh, interviewed Kenny Pickett and they were, they really, really like Kenny Pickett. I was just interested what you thought about that. You know, I like Baker Mayfield. He's got, he's, I've said this a couple of times now, he's got that Jay Cutler feel to him (laughs) and that he's got this unique swagger about him. He's a unique character when he's on 
he's really good. I mean, he can be spectacular, but there's other times where he just looks so lost. He looks, you know, I don't want to say disinterested is not the right word, but he, he just looks off. And that was the problem with Cutler at times. So I don't know if it's a disconnect between him and his, him and his coaches or some other, you know, factor that's involved. He was really banged up this year. You really have to factor that in as well. So I think he's probably going to rebound next year, but you know, if Cleveland feels like they might want to not pay him the amount of money they're going to have to pay him, I, I wouldn't blame him for thinking about going after a quarterback in this draft. And Kenny Pickett would make sense. He's sort of an East East Coast, you know, that region type of kid. He's well known in the Ohio and Pennsylvania area, and he's a much more efficient type of quarterback. You know, good for a West Coast style of offense, which uh, Kevin Stefanski sort of likes to run. So the fit makes sense. It's just a question of whether or not they truly believe in Mayfield or whether or not they're just trying to, you know, get a lay of the land and just happen to like Pickett. Yeah. yeah really, really quick. Um, you know, I, I said, I wouldn't really chime in much, but um, okay. So about this whole thing, because this idea just popped in my head and it actually kind of makes sense. Um, do you see Cleveland turning into a situation um, along the same lines of what San Francisco did like a a quarterback that's in a tough situation that might have an up and down year that can lead and you know potentially you know teach a younger quarterback that they might draft what what do you think sort of like what uh, San Francisco did with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick I was thinking more so along the lines of Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance from this past year Yeah, you know, I think that would make sense, you know, from a logistical perspective. It's just a question of would Mayfield embrace that sort of role? I'm not so sure about that because he seems like the hyper competitive type. You know, when he had a chance to face some competition at Texas Tech, I, I think it was Texas Tech. He sort of bowed out and just transferred to Oklahoma. So I don't know if he has that in him because he's a really tough competitor and he would prefer to just be the guy somewhere. So Garoppolo is much more, you know, a, a team guy. I don't want to say team. That's that makes it sound like Mayfield's overly selfish, but the point being they're two very different personalities sort of Garoppolo is much more Alex Smith willing to mentor, but also competitive enough to say, this is my job until you take it from me. I think Mayfield's just going to say, look, if I'm not going to be the guy here and you're drafting my replacement, just trade me. That's what it's, it sort of feels like with him. That makes sense. All right, Ben, I'll, I'll let you take it from here. I just had that one question. <laughs> no, you, you are, you are all good. Um, again, if, if I think if Cleveland ends up doing something, in the quarterback right uh, route uh, in this year's draft, which I would be surprised if they did, I think it'd probably be them drafting, probably somebody like Garrett Wilson in the first round at wide receiver because that's something they really need. Guys, I hate to interrupt you. Uh, We've got some breaking news. Uh, Doug Peterson is going to be the next coach of the Jags. Doug Peterson. Okay. I'm all right. I let's talk about this real quick and then we can jump right back into it. I'm (laughs) again, as an Eagles fan, I'm for it. I think Doug Peterson as an Eagles fan, I can tell you his culture great culture builder that's exactly what jaguar needs or the jaguars need right i think now. he got a raw deal in philadelphia i really do you know he did great work with that team and you know he I got agree. run out of town by a really tough owner and you know a gm who basically had his ear the entire <laughs> time so it's unfortunate because he had so much success but i i'm glad he's getting a second opportunity and you know if you're jacksonville this hire makes sense because he's much more established he's less you know 
fancy than Urban Meyer was, and he's not going to be the same near the same disaster. He's going to be perfect for Trevor Lawrence. It's a smart hire. All I got to say, I mean, you, you kind of stole the words from my mouth is that him and Trevor Lawrence are going to be something that I cannot wait to watch. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I mean, it's a project. It's going to take some time, but I mean, this team actually might have some potential within the next couple of years. I think that they have, you know, potential to uh, compete with teams like Tennessee and Indianapolis potentially. Um, You know, I just said the same word like three times in the same sentence, but it's fine. Uh, You know, I I honestly think that Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence are going to be that, that match made in heaven. Whereas when Urban Meyer came in, you know, as an Ohio State fan, I, I was really questioning the whole, urban Meyer Trevor Lawrence deal Mm -hmm. like is this the guy I is it going to work out and we all saw how that went down but this this I mean like you said it makes sense this is something that I'm not really I mean I guess the news shocked me but I'm not stunned by it because like you said it makes perfect sense right his biggest challenge probably is going to be hiring good staff members because Jacksonville is kind of, you know, doesn't have the best reputation right now. They've missed out on some, on a lot of top coaching prospects because of the whole worry about Trent Bulky, their GM who has a really nasty reputation when it comes to relationships with coaches. And then, you know, how that, that, that entire disaster with Meyer. So Peterson's got his work cut out for him, but he's the type of guy who knows what he has to do. You know, he has to elevate Trevor Lawrence Get, get, get a good offensive line in front of him, get him some weapons, and then just sort of work from there. Yeah, um, and I agree. And again, like Ryan said and like what you were saying, it'll be interesting to see how he affects Trevor Lawrence's development. Because again, I mean, I know he's kind of fallen off a little bit here in these past couple of years, but I mean, Carson Wentz's second year, he played phenomenal. I mean, he really helped develop Carson Wentz. Right. So you hope he can do the same thing with Trevor. I'm right there with you. I think Trevor Lawrence is actually going to be shown. I mean, look at, look at Trevor Lawrence's last game, just of his, of his rookie season. I mean, against Indianapolis, he had a pretty decent showing. And honestly, I mean, I think that we can expect more of the same player. Um, I think we are going to eventually get, um, you know, the Trevor Lawrence that everybody thought that he was coming out or coming out of his, you know, last year at Clemson. I definitely think, um, you know, he showed a little bit more potential with Urban Meyer out as head coach. But I, I feel like without all the distractions and everything, I believe that Trevor Lawrence is going to be um, among that that young talent that we discussed before in you know, the podcast and everything. The AFC is jam packed with young talent at quarterback. And oh, I, am, I am looking forward to all the different matchups that we're going to be able to see in the next 10, 15 years. I mean, holy cow, Mahomes, Herbert, Allen, Burrow, and now if Lawrence, you know, achieves the status you expect of a number one pick, man, that is just a loaded conference. So those are going to be some dog fights in the playoffs, and I'm here for it because (laughs) that's going to be great football theater. It's a question of will the AFC sort of be – NFC, excuse me, be able to, you know, sort of catch up and reload on their own because a lot of the old guard are starting to bow out. Breeze is out. Now Brady's out. Uh, Rodgers, we don't know what he's going to do. He might, you know, be traded out of town and maybe traded to the AFC. So, you know, there's another one that might bow out. So 
this is why I'm really hoping Justin Fields becomes good because there's a huge window here to take, you know, sort of take control of a conference. If you can get this guy to be a franchise quarterback. So a fun little subplot to watch. Absolutely. But with that being said, um, unless there's any more breaking news within the past 15 minutes, <laughs> then I'm going to, I'm going to swing it back over to you to finish up your college corner. And um, then after that, we'll get into our three bold takes. Yeah, just a couple more thoughts. But like I was saying before, I think if Cleveland if Cleveland ends up going the quarterback route, I think the smart thing for them to do is to draft a wide receiver, you know, whoever you like, you know, if it's Garrett Wilson, if it's Traylon Burks or whatever, but then draft somebody like Carson Strong in the second round. That's just my opinion. That makes sense. I mean, if you're looking for a developmental guy, you'd probably want him in the second or third round rather than going first. That way you can sort of – if Baker ends up sort of rebounding, then you've got a, got another weapon for him. If not, you've got another you've got another weapon in place for the guy who's going to replace him. So it's kind of a win win situation. Exactly. Um, and another player who's been rising his stock um, in the Senior Bowl, who which I really would have loved to see fall to the Bears, especially you talking about um, you know how they want to go on the offensive line is uh, um, Trevor Penning. I mean, he's just a big ball of clay out of, uh, out of northern Iowa. He's done really well, and I was really hoping he was going to fall to you guys, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. I mean, you know, northern Iowa has produced some pretty impressive uh, offensive line prospects over the past couple of years, so it's not surprising that Penning – I mean, they seem to identify traits really well in terms of offensive tackles, and he's just a big dude. He's physical, he's nasty, and he fits what Ryan Poles would, would want – in an offensive lineman and he's showing that at the senior bowl he still needs work but the good news is the offensive line coach they just hired has developed good tackles before so he'd be a nice little fit and but you know the way he's playing at the senior bowl the traits he has he's probably going to go somewhere in the first round i don't know where probably in the second second half because he's coming from a smaller school but if he does slip to the second that's something that's somebody you definitely got to look at Absolutely. And another second round um, offensive line that I would love to see you guys uh, pick up. And again, he's playing very well. The senior bowl is Zion Johnson, the guard mm, out of. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. I mean, so technically sound, much more physical for his size than you than you would think. I mean, great anchor, solid in pass protection, has a nastiness to him. He checks all the boxes. And plus, he goes to Boston College, where where Ryan Poles went to. So you, you always have to make that little connection as well. So if he happens to be there in the second round, I wouldn't be upset at all if the Bears made him their pick. Absolutely. Um, and before we wrap this up, um, I was just wondering who, like, if you were the GM and you got to pick, you know, a prospect, obviously, realistically, who would you want the Bears to pick in the second round? It, it's really tough because I'm still evaluating, but I've been a big fan of David Bell, the wide receiver out of Purdue for a while. I think he's a playmaker. I understand some people might question his speed, but trust me, he's 6'2". He tracks the ball so well. He makes things happen. I think he'd be a fantastic complimentary piece to Darnell Mooney, and if they got him, I'd be ecstatic. <laughs> I completely agree. I love uh, David Bell. But, Ready to uh, run through a wall the third time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. David Bell is my number one guy for the second round. But, I mean, hey, an offensive lineman piece would be crazy good. But, Ben, I, what were you going to say? I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you're all good. I, I, wanna, I want you to talk to Eric about this 
as well. Uh, before we wrap this up, I do just want to run through a list of guys I like and don't like past Eric. But, uh, Ryan, you should tell him who you, like, really want for the Bears. As for free agents or? Uh, for, for the draft. For the draft. Uh, I mean, the Georgia. only name that. Oh, oh man, you got to remind me his name. I know him. He's okay. Basically, he's, he's this big about dude. Davis. Yeah, Jordan Davis. Defensive oh, the big tackle. kid from uh, Georgia. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think he's going in the first round. Unfortunately, yeah. he, he's just such a physical specimen. I mean, really you, you look at him primarily as a nose tackle, somebody who's going to command double teams and really swallow up the run game, but he's much better of an interior pass rusher than he gets credit for. He just wasn't utilized that way a lot at Georgia because he didn't have to. They had other ways to, you know, get that pressure. So, but man, he's the best defensive line prospect in this class. I don't think it's particularly close. And this is a good defensive line class, in my opinion. It's very underrated. So if he somehow fell into the second round, I'd be absolutely stunned. I don't think he will. But if he's there when the Bears are picking, they'd be sprinting to the podium because I think he'd be a great fit for Eberflus's defense. Absolutely. I mean, could you imagine, because you did bring up um, you know, bringing back Bilal Nichols, mm-hmm. and could you imagine a defensive line with Bilal Nichols, that stud from Georgia that I just forgot his name again, Jordan Davis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jordan Davis. Sorry, like I said, college is not necessarily my thing, but then you also have Robert Quinn and mm-hmm. Khalil Mack on the outside, you know, and then with Roquan Smith at middle linebacker. I mean, holy cow. I mean, what more do you want? I mean, obviously a secondary that needs work, but I mean, what more could you want out of that unit than just, I mean, it's a dream scenario for me. So, Oh, no question. I mean, <laughs> you, you have to remember that Everflus got great pressure with his front four in Indianapolis, despite not having the best edge rushers. So now you're going to hand him Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack. You know, if they can get a three technique who can bring pressure up the middle, I think Nichols is capable of doing that. I don't know if it, you really haven't seen him play that type of position before, so you really don't know. But there are options in this draft of three technique types. So if you can get somebody like that who can bring the pressure up the middle, and then you have Quinn, and then you have Mac with this sort of up the field type of rushing defense, man, quarterbacks aren't going to like the Bears very much. No, 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 not at all. And I did speak to him um, because we did go and watch the college football national championship together. And, um, you know, I told him, I said, you know, I, I would be stunned, just like you said. I mean, you know, Ben said that there's probably no way that he's following or falling to the second round. And in that case, then probably David Bell would be the the route that I would go um, for reasons that you already said. But, um, you know, I, I said that I'm not necessarily worried about it. I mean, if we were to get him, that's totally OK. Um, but I mean, you have to bring up Tonga at some point, right? That, mm-hmm. you know, he's done a phenomenal job and I believe that was his rookie year, just this past season. Um, I think that that's been an unbelievable job so far. I got the chance to go and see him in person and everything, um, when they played against the giants and I was impressed. I mean, I know that that's a garbage team to go and watch a defense play against, but, um, you know, I I'm very, very optimistic about what this defense can look like. And that's why I was so ecstatic when they did sign Eberflus for head coach. 
It's a weird thing. I actually think Tonga might be a better fit for the 4-3 defense than Andy Goldman is because he played up the field a lot more often at BYU. So he understands that style of defense. He knows how to play nose tackle and clog up the running lanes. So I think that experience would serve him very well. I don't know if he'd be the primary choice for the Bears, given he's a seventh round pick from a previous regime. So he'd have to probably earn it. But if they give him an opportunity, I could absolutely see him being a part of their defensive front. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so with that, that's going to close Ben's college corner. Unless, no, never mind. No, it's not. Ben's no, no, shaking no. his head I, at me. <laughs> no, I just wanted – there There's some players, again, and this is more me just wanting to get it on the podcast where these four hopefully I'm correct. Uh, but I just wanted to – I have five players that I am higher on than the consensus and five players I'm lower on than the consensus. And I want to throw that out there and – Eric, feel free to stop me if you have any thoughts. But uh, the five guys that I'm super high on is a quarterback out of Matt Corral, or quarterback out of Old Miss, Matt Corral. Mm-hmm. Um, I love him. I, my only concern with him is his RPO heavy scheme. I don't think, you know, he's going to get that, but I, I love him. I, you know, I, he, he has a lot of traits that you like, good arm, accurate, all that sort of thing that you need to have in your quarterback. I'm a little concerned that he's 6'1", so he's a little undersized for the position, so you always have to worry about something like that. But, uh, you know, uh, he, he's one of the top three guys, no question to me. So I, I understand why you're absolutely interested, interested in him because I think the Eagles are probably going to be looking at quarterbacks despite a lot of the hype around Jalen Hurts. I think he's not the passer they're going to end up needing if they want to – they want to win the Super Bowl. That's just my opinion. I don't know if you agree or not, but uh, you know, he's done well with, you know, the opportunities he's had, but I think they can upgrade if the opportunity ends up coming up. So we'll just see, have to w- see where that goes. But if, it, if, if it ends up being Corral, I think that would be a, you know, a really good pick. Yeah. Um, again, I, I think the most likely thing, I think we're just going to stick with Hertz. Um, but nevertheless, um, another person I could see the, or another player I could see the, Eagles realistically picking is Drake London. I love Drake London. Uh, he's six four. He can go up and get it, but his yak uh, yards after the catch mm-hmm. is just—I mean, he is explosive. He put up crazy stats, missing the last four games, and still won the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. Oh, I've I watched him. I'm, I'm I'm a big fan. He's one of my you know box wide receivers I always have a little box I put of a certain number of players from each position that I would absolutely draft and Jake Drake London is absolutely one of them six five great wingspan underrated speed you know he's going to remind you a lot of Mike Evans really because he, he is that type of talent and the fact that he was able to do what he did you know despite missing so many games even makes him more impressive so he's going to make you know whichever team drafts him very happy you know especially if he lands on a team that already has a quarterback Absolutely. Uh, the next two guys we both talked about and Jermaine Johnson and Christian mm-hmm. uh, Watson. But the last guy I really like is Daniel Falele. Um, And as an Eagles fan, he just rem- or, uh, reminds me so much of Jordan Mailata. He's like we were saying with Trevor Penning is he's just a big ball of clay you can mold. I mean, he's I think he's six, eight. He's hyper athletic. Um, and I mean, honestly, the Bears might even be looking into him. <laughs> 
It's possible. I think Falele has a lot of work to do. You know, I think there are holes in his game. He has fundamental issues, especially in pass protection. I think that's big, a big weakness of his. He seems a little cumbersome, so I think he needs to probably drop some weight, you know, sort of, you know, gain some more quickness. But he absolutely has a tremendous upside. If you can get him under the right conditions, he can be, you know, a bookend right tackle for a long time. Absolutely. And then here are uh, four players that I'm lower on. One of this is kind of like a hot take, but I've been saying this before the season even started. Um, and again, I want to, I still think this player is going to be a good player in the NFL. I'm just lower on him. Uh, Derek Stingley, I love him. I think he has the potential to be great, but his last two years have been really concerning. The only like very good year he had was when he was CB2 behind Christian Fulton. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a good player, but I have Sauce Gardner as my favorite quarterback in class I, I can I can understand that because you always want to see your guy play a guy like this play well despite maybe the defense not playing well the problem is he was sort of following the defense's lead in that regard and not playing well along with them so you don't you never like to see something like that but if we're talking about talent it's there there's no question it's there size speed he has all the tools to be a really good cornerback but the question is What's his motivation? What's his work ethic? You know, is he really committed to being great at football? Because if not, and he's just content with being good, you know, that's, that's something you got to worry about. Absolutely. Um, another player, like you said, I think this uh, defensive line class as a whole is a bit underrated, um, but the edge specifically, they have some really good players in this edge class, but I'm a little bit lower on George Karloftis just because he, he seems like he can bull rush and, that's about it. I mean, he has great leadership, but I, I just, the upside just isn't, I, I can't see it. I mean, I, I totally understand. It feels if it, this is just me looking at, you know, what I saw for, of him on film, you know, the power is there. There's no question. He's got yeah. plenty of power. I think he will be a good four, three defensive end, probably not a three, four outside linebacker type. Uh, the power is there that he's going to need really good hand fighting technique. If he's going to be a successful pass rusher in the NFL. And I don't think he has it right now. It's getting, it's getting there. He's improved steadily, but he still needs to work on that. His burst is kind of, you know, average in my opinion. So it's going to be the type of defense he gets into. That's really going to determine whether or not he's a great player, but I do, I do like him. He seems like a good throwback type of, you know, defensive player. He plays with great effort, great motor, and guys like that tend to have pretty solid careers in the NFL. It's just a question of how good is he going to be, and is he good enough to take in the first round? I don't, I don't think so, and that, but that's just me personally. I agree. I think his career trajectory reminds me just so much of Ryan Kerrigan. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, he'll play defensive end, but Purdue and everything, I think he reminds me so much of – Ryan Kerrigan. I mean, mm-hmm. it's creepy how similar they are. Yeah. So, um, and then the last two players, again, I think all these players that I named are going to have fine NFL careers. That I'm just a little bit lower on um, is Kenny Pickett. Again, a lot of people have Kenny Pickett as their quarterback run or one, but his lack of high end potential, I'm not a fan of. But also, I think if you're a team like the Steelers, and you have every piece around, I think he is the most pro-ready quarterback in this class. I just think he has a lack of upside. Yeah, that's the thing. He he feels like one of those guys who's good at everything, but not great at anything. So he's, he's, he's a well-rounded prospect. He's ready to go right now. He could probably play day one. It's just a question of 
you know, are you comfortable with the fact that he might not be able to elevate his game much higher than he already is? And this goes back to what I said about being in the right system and the right fit, because if you can get him into, into like a West coast type of offense, I think he'd fit that perfectly because he's, he's known for his accuracy. He can move around, he can improvise all that sort of stuff. And that would fit a West coast offense perfectly. But if you're looking for somebody who goes off play action and can throw the ball down the field, might not be the quarterback for you. So it's all about fit with Kenny Pickett to me, because, you know, if you're looking to somebody to carry the franchise for you, I don't know if he's the guy you're going to want to, you know, sort of hitch your wagon to. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, my last guy that I'm again, lower on is Maijai Sanders, the edge out of Cincinnati. Um, I like him again, but I think he's the complete opposite of Carl Loftus. I think he has, good hands and I think he's quick and explosive but as soon as a big offensive lineman gets you know his hands in the chest I mean he's he's tiny he's getting driven out of the play which is which is unusual because he's 6'5 so you'd think he'd have the proper length to deal with something like that so you 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 might have to wonder if it's a technique issue because if it is that that can be fixable which is encouraging because he has pass rush skill there's no question of that but is he fulfilling his full potential yet? And when you look at Cincinnati, they've never really been known for developing defensive players all that well. So, you know, this is another one of those guys who has a high upside, but he needs better coaching than he's probably gotten to this point. So, you know, he isn't somebody I would probably draft in the first round. He's, a, he's more of a developmental guy who would probably go in the second or third. And you just hope that your coaching staff will be able to get more out of him than whatever his college staff was able to. Completely agree. All right, guys, with that, uh, now I'm going to move on to our three bold takes um, section. And so with that, for those that may not be um, as familiar with our podcast, so basically Ben and I have three bold takes each. And what we're going to do, since Eric is our special guest on the show, um, so one of us, Ben or you know myself, are going to say our own three bold takes then Eric's going to choose from these three uh, which one he'd like to debate about first. So, Eric, without further ado, which one of us do you want to know first? Uh, let's go with Ben. <laughs> let's do um, it, Ben. And I, yeah, and uh, disclaimer here again, these are bold takes. These are supposed to be fun. Um, obviously, me and Ryan believe in them a little bit, but, again, they're bold takes. They're supposed to be fun. You know, don't take these too seriously. <laughs> We also, um, for sake of discussion as well, we did not go through these behind the scenes. We did not cover these on our own. We come up with these and then we meet and then we improv argue them just right now. So Ben, without further ado. Um, so my first one, I think Trayvon Diggs is the most overrated player in the league. Mm. Um, <laughs> my second one, I think if Jalen Hurts can or if Jalen Hurts stays an Eagle again that's barring any trade or draft or something I think he's going to perform like a top 10 quarterback this year um and then my last one is I think Aaron Rodgers uh, might be a Titan next year really oh my yeah. uh of those three I'd love to debate Rodgers <laughs> so for a really long time I uh again I thought he was going to be a Bronco especially with uh, the Hackett signing and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it was today it came out saying that he bought a house in Asheville and he said he wouldn't mind playing for the Titans. And I think the Titans have the roster 
to win now with Aaron Rodgers. I think he's a perfect fit if the Titans decide to pull the trigger on it. You know, in terms of if you're looking at a team that is a quarterback away from probably winning a Super Bowl, Tennessee has to top that list because they were fantastic this past year, played good defense, good team offense, despite losing, you know, uh, Derek, <clears throat> Derek Henry. So, you know, absolutely. I could see that being a fit. It's not too far from Wisconsin. It's not in terms of travel. He wouldn't have to fly all the way across the country and move his, you know, move himself. So, but I think uh, salary cap is probably going to be a problem in that regard because he's already getting paid a lot of money. So making that work from a logistical point of view is going to be difficult from Tennessee's perspective. It's, it, it's possible, but you might have to upset your entire, you know, situation on the books in order to make it happen. And it would be a 100% all in move from Tennessee's perspective. So I could see it happening. But honestly, I think it's probably going to end up being another team. Everybody lists Denver. I think Pittsburgh might be another team you need to watch because Big Ben's contract is going to come off the book. So they're going to start to be looking at a little more salary cap space as well. They've got a good situation with their wide receiving core. I think, you know, Rodgers could get could, you know, really sink his teeth into. I think there are going to be other teams involved for sure. But I can't, you know, decline the idea that Tennessee isn't a contender. They absolutely are. Dare yeah, I say I- Cleveland isn't is one to uh to watch <laughs> oh man that would uh that would that would be something i don't think personally rogers would want to go to cleveland but that's just my opinion but uh you know you, you can't rule them out because they're another team that's probably a quarterback away from contention so you always have to look at those types of teams denver being one pittsburgh another cleveland and uh tennessee those are four absolutely possible options yeah, yeah absolutely and, go ahead ben. um Again, it just again Ryan Ryan will admit it. You know, Aaron Rodgers is great, but it just I would really love to see if somebody of his caliber play with AJ Brown and Julio Jones because Julio had more of an off year than what people expected. But I mean, boy, would Aaron Rodgers really light up the league if he had Aaron or if he had uh, AJ Brown, Derrick Henry, Julio? It, it, it'd be fun. With a oh, no with a question. running back too, with with King Henry back there in the backfield yeah. with him, and you know a defense that actually proved to be, you know, a, a step higher than last year's, you know, the year before. So, um, I think that's definitely an interesting situation. And honestly, I was going to put that as one of my bold takes. Little fun fact, um, but you know, so yeah, obviously I agree. But um, I, I figured it was probably going to be covered at some point today too. So, with that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say my three bold takes. Um, so the Rams aren't going to be top 15 next year. Um, I think this year's playoffs is the best playoff ever. And Mitch Trubisky, just because, you know, just because we're, we're bears guys, right? Mitch Trubisky will be a top 15 quarterback next year. Wow. Wow. That is bold. You know, you know what? Let's debate that. Let's, let's do this. Let's do this right now. All right. So you look at Mitch Trubisky, right? And we're obviously, you know, uh, we're, we're looking at different teams that need the quarterbacks and everything. And there's different situations that I believe make sense for Mitch Trubisky. Um, you know, like, like we said, I think Tennessee is a, a suitor for him potentially. I think that he could go there and, 
compete for a spot um, with Ryan Tannehill. I mean, he's a cheap quarterback option that, Mm -hmm. you know, could potentially wind up well. Um, You look at the quarterback situation in Buffalo and you also look at, you know, who he's been able to work, who Josh Josh Allen's been able to work with. And, And, you know, as far as his development goes, you know, he looks at, Um, you know, his rookie stats and everything. And you notice that, you know, what he's been able to do is, um, you know, as a rookie, he did, you know, the bare minimum. Um, And then, you know, you look at where he's at right now, he's an elite top five, dare I say, quarterback, Um, you know, then you look at Mitch Trubisky, whereas I, I believe he's along the same lines. I believe, you know, he's put up better numbers than Josh Allen did um, back then. I'm not going to tell you that he has more potential than Josh Allen by any means, but I will sit here and say, um, you know, who he went to as far as, you know, a team and a coach that are willing to, you know, use him as a backup quarterback and as a project. um, I think that he's been able to learn from a couple people that, um, can really contribute to his skill set or skill set. And I think without a doubt, he has potential to go to a team that um, can use him correctly and with the right scheme, um, you know, with a coach that's name isn't Matt Nagy. <laughs> I think um, he's got more than enough potential to be top 15. You know, now that we have the benefit of hindsight, I can totally understand why people are pointing the finger primarily at Nagy because his offense was atrocious in terms of its structure, in terms of its organization. And, you know, but I'll also posit this by saying the Bears offense in general wasn't overly talented over the past few years. And I think Mitch needs to shoulder a lot of the blame for why the struggles were happening because there were a lot of instances where he took horrific sacks. There were a lot of instances where he missed wide open guys, you know, when he should have hit them when they should have been layups as you know, a lot of NFL guys like to call them. And that was something that was consistent throughout, you know, the entire time, even before Nagy got there, Mitch had a tendency to miss open guys like that and whatnot. You also have to worry about does, does he still, is he still not able to read defenses? Is he still not able to read coverages properly? And obviously somebody's going to give him an opportunity because he's a former number two overall pick. He's still pretty young. He's going to be cheap. Somebody's going to give him an opportunity. That's especially with the uncertainty surrounding this draft class. I think somebody's going to give him an opportunity, but the question is who, who's going to give him that opportunity because there's probably not going to be a lot of openings where the entire situation set and setup is perfect in terms of the coaching and offensive staff and all that sort of stuff. So he's going to have to take what he can get. And I don't think he's going to end up with the absolute perfect setup like he would have had in Buffalo. So I think one team to watch would be New York and see if maybe he competes with Daniel Jones, you know, working under Brian Dable because he already knows the offense now having worked there for a year behind Josh Allen. So I think that's going to be a team to watch. You mentioned Tennessee, you know, I guess that's a possibility, but I think, you know, I don't think he'd be an improvement over Ryan Tannehill despite Tannehill's struggles this year. So I'm not sure in terms of what teams he would end up going to, you know, in terms that would give him an opportunity to start. So his options are going to be limited. And I think both he and Nagy were the problem during their years together. They had a good year together in 18 and then 2019 and 2020 weren't good at all, unless they were facing absolutely atrocious competition. So I can understand why you're that confident that being away from Nagy would sort of lead to those results. My problem is he's probably not going to end up in a situation that's entirely that much better wherever he ends up landing. But that's just my opinion on that. I think he is the number one 
um, most, I guess, hottest quarterback option on the free agent market. But that's just my opinion. Ben, you're making faces at me, man. I need to hear your explanation. No, I, again, obviously I'm, you know, I'm not a Bears fan. I don't know everything I'm behind the scenes, but I'm, you know, I'm just pulling up this random list on NFL.com and right here they have, you know, so we're going to go to 16 because Tom Brady's gone. They have Matt Ryan ranked at 16. Let's suppose, so you're, you're going to tell me you think Mr. Trubisky's playing better than Matt Ryan next year. Absolutely. Love yeah, some confidence, man. Love that confidence. You know, here's the thing. You can call me biased. You can call me whatever you want. Matt Ryan is – he's going to be on a downward slope because, let's oh, face yeah. it, I mean, Calvin Ridley will be traded within the offseason, and yeah. I'm sure that we'll cover that. Um, Eric, I'm sure that you know, in, and I'm pretty positive you've actually reported on the Bears being um, a top target for, you know, a top landing spot, I should say, right. for um, Calvin Ridley. And so without his number one wide receiver, you know, I mean – with Russell Gage, he's a pretty solid wide receiver, um, but he's not one of those guys that I would necessarily put all of my hope into. Um, I mean, obviously Kyle Pitts is somebody that is, you know, worth noting, but I don't think just that one Kyle Pitts is going to be enough to, um, you know, make Matt Ryan better in this situation. Um, Whereas if you have Mitch Trubisky, and I know that you said like, you're not entirely sure where he could land, but if you have Mitch Trubisky, say, in an interesting spot, um, I've been thinking about this since, you know, we've actually talked about it a couple episodes ago in Cleveland, where he could be competing for a spot, maybe, you know, because we've seen franchises put a couple quarterbacks head to head, maybe somebody that doesn't necessarily have an advantage on the other one, um, you know, say, I mean, I think coming out right now, if you were to put Mitch Trubisky and Baker Mayfield in the same quarterback room, it would be less intimidating to Baker than it would be for like a brand new rookie like we talked about before. Um, So, you know, if you were to come in and just be like, all right, well, look, we're going to bring in Mitch. We're going to hold this open quarterback competition and see who comes out. In my opinion, if Mitch were to come out, he's developed enough under the right people that he'd be able to shine under that offense and, you know, that team would actually do somewhat decent, but there's other teams. I'm not going to get into too much, but Ben, (laughs) go for it. No, again, I, I just, I don't think I, again, um, I don't want to call myself a Baker hater, but I'm definitely lower on Baker than what other people are. Um, I don't think you'd beat out Baker, but to your other point, I, you know, other QBs on the market, Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, I think all three of them are vastly more attractive than Mitch Trubisky, in my opinion. Jameis, for sure, you could argue Mariota, but I think Jameis and Teddy, for sure, are more attractive than uh, Trubisky. Mm, See, okay, I can understand Mariota. I think that Mariota deserves another chance somewhere. I don't necessarily want him going back to Vegas just because he's going to be in that, you know, backup role behind Derek Carr, unless well, Derek Carr's, a, you know, go ahead. Derek Carr might leave and Derek Carr might be going, but right. I was going to say, unless there was, you know, a potential trade partner in that scenario, Marcus Mariota could be the next starter. Um, I think with, you know, the new head coach coming in, 
Um, you know, as we noted before, Josh McDaniels has a great offense set in stone for, um, you know, Derek Carr to play under. And I think it's going to be a lot for Vegas to trade him away right now, especially because he did pretty well with the team and, you know, overcoming the adversity that, you know, was shown through the season and everything with all the difficulties and losing one of his best receivers, if not the best receiver on his offense. Um, you know, I, I think that it would take a lot for Vegas to just say goodbye to that and then bring up Marcus Mariota. So in my opinion, I think, yes, Marcus Mariota is an attractive option. Um, I would put him up there with Mitch Trubisky. I think that they are two similar quarterbacks, but um, as far as your Jameis Winston pick, I definitely disagree. I don't Stop think, I, I don't think Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston was playing. I wouldn't say very well, but Jameis Winston was playing. He was, he was exceptional. He got hurt. It was, I mean, it was 14 touchdowns and three interceptions when he got hurt. So he was playing, he was playing good yeah. football. It was pretty, it was pretty <laughs> decent. And he's you know, not going to have Sean too. Payton wherever he ends up next. So yeah, you, you have to bring Absolutely. that up. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Another topic that we could talk about right now, but I'm sure we'll save for the off season is will we see a Jameis Winston reunion in Tampa Bay? Probably not. I think they're going to ride with uh, Trask, who they drafted yeah. in the second round. I think they saw Brady retiring in the near future, which is why they drafted him. He's a good he's, he's a good prospect. I mean, he has some deficiencies, but I, li- I always liked him at Florida. So I think Arians and them are going to see what they have in Trask before considering another option. Maybe they bring in a backup just in case. But, you know, I don't think Tampa's probably going to be in the quarterback market too much. To me, I think Washington, I think Pittsburgh, I think New Orleans, those are the three teams you probably watch for something like that. And then, you know, maybe there'll be a couple of surprises like always on, on the market. So if it's one of those three teams, I think Mitch's best chance to have success would be either in Washington or in Pittsburgh, because I love Ron Rivera. I think he's a fantastic football coach and I love Mike Tomlin as he's proven. He's a fantastic football coach. So if he ends up in one of those places, he might have a shot at, you know, fulfilling your prediction, but you know, anywhere else, I really don't see how he's going to, you know, be able to elevate his game enough to be a top 15 quarterback. Okay. Ben, any closing statements before we get into our last fun segment? No, I, I said my piece. I think, I think you're crazy, but <laughs> I mean, a confidence, confidence is important. Now me and Ben both talked about this um, just earlier this week. We like to end our podcast on a positive note. And with that, we have a segment called the gridiron goofs where um, we don't necessarily have to talk about football here. Um, <laughs> we can, but sometimes it won't be. For example, last week was the Little Debbie Snack Cake playoff. And now what we have is something similar to that. And it's the fast food region of the bracket, which is, you know, just it's 16 teams. And we're going to talk about which one will come up in the as the best fast food chain. So, Eric, if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and, um, you know, I'm going to ask you different matchups and everything, um, you know, and then Ben, if you want, you can do mine and then I'll do yours later. So without further ado, Eric, do you prefer Chick-fil-A or Arby's? Oh, uh, Chick-fil-A. Okay. (laughs) All right. Panda Express or Domino's? Domino's. All right. We're going to break this down by section. So Domino's or Chick-fil-A? Domino's. 
Domino's. Wow. Okay. He's a Domino's guy. Yes, sir. Uh, five Particularly guys. since they changed their recipe. Before that, I wasn't a Domino's person, but once they changed their pizza recipe, I, I got on board. Might I ask I, you, before you were a Domino's person, who who did you sign? Who did you side with? Oh, I'm Domino's isn't my favorite pizza in terms of fast food. It's always been Pizza Hut. I've been a Pizza oh. Hut loyalist oh. forever. So a little a little backstory here. So I work at a Papa John's chain. Uh, oh in, God, in I hate region. Papa John's. No offense. No offense. I hate we Papa both, John's so much. We we both worked at Papa John's. Yeah, I. We ended up, yeah, after after <laughs> several months of me working at a Papa John's, I got Ben in to, to work with me there. We had a blast and then he went off to college. But uh, yeah, no, definitely a Papa John's guy. But uh, all right. So Five Guys or Subway? Oh, Five Guys. I'm a huge Five Guys fan. Okay. Chipotle or Checkers? Oh, I like Chipotle. Okay. And then Chipotle or Five Guys? Five Guys. Five guys are dominoes. Ooh, oh, boy, that's actually tough. Uh, <laughs> mm, I think I'll go five guys. Okay. All right. I love, I love their burgers. So, a little fun fact here I used to work at a five guys as well before I worked at Papa John's. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, you've gotten around them fast food places, huh? Yeah, a little bit. That was, uh, that was, that was Paying the your second. Dues? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I have to try out every, every recipe, you know. Uh, let's see. So Popeye's or in and out Oh, Popeye's. I love Popeye's. Wendy's or White Castle? Wendy's. Okay. So Wendy's or Popeye's? Oh God, don't do this to me. Um, (laughs) uh, you know, Wendy's. I'm a Wendy's Wendy's. loyalist. All right. So Sonic or Pizza Hut then? Pizza Hut. (laughs) Okay. McDonald's or Jimmy John's? Ooh, Wow, I love both. Um, I'm gonna go Jimmy John's. Okay, all right. Uh, Jimmy John's or Pizza Hut then? Pizza Hut. Yeah. Sorry, Jimmy John's. <laughs> um, all right. Did you just to remind me? Did you say Popeyes or Wendy's for that last Wendy's. one? Wendy's. I said Wendy's. All right. So, oh wow. Okay, my memory's awful. Okay, so you said Pizza Hut and then Wendy's. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's the next matchup then. Oh boy. Uh, you know, in terms of nostalgia, in terms of still loving it, I've got to go Pizza Hut. All right. So then in that case, we're down to the two pizza chains. Pizza Hut or Domino's? I, I thought he said five guys. I thought five, I guys five guys. Five guys yeah. or Pizza Hut. Sorry. Like I said, the memory, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> oh, man, this is so tough because I love them both. Uh, in terms of history and in terms of all that stuff, Pizza Hut. I grew up on Pizza Hut, so I'm a loyalist. So Pizza Hut wins Eric's side of the bracket. Wow. All right. <laughs> ben, I sent you All over right. the bracket. Yes, you did. All right. Oh, fun fact too. Ryan also worked at Chick-fil-A. Jeez. For a month. Okay. It was a rough month. <laughs> and we're not getting into the details right. there. Chick-fil-A or Arby's. <laughs> another time. Another time. Yes. Um, Chick-fil-A. And, and I'll tell you why just briefly. Uh, and it's not because of their fried chicken. It's because of their grilled chicken. Their grilled chicken ah. is so good with it, it's the grilled chicken club. If you guys ever go, it's not dry. It's that perfect amount. And you get the bacon and the lettuce and everything. Oh, of course, you it's can't really get anything good. without bacon. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Makes everything better. All right. Panda Express or Domino's? 
<laughs> Eric's going to hate me for this, but I'm taking Panda. Oh, you want the Chinese. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. So, so Panda or Chick-fil-A? Um, Chick-fil-A for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Waffle fries um, too. Oh yeah. There you go. Um, all right. Five guys or Subway. All right. With this, I'm going to go with a little bit of a shocker and I'm going to make it my way. And I believe that's the chain for Subway. No, wait, no, it's not. That's <laughs> Burger King, isn't it? Whatever. <laughs> anyway, so, no. so Subway. Yeah, we're going Subway, but I messed Ooh. up. This. It was uh, eat fresh, not make it my way. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> Whatever. Chipotle or, Chipotle or checkers? <laughs> I don't. Okay. I believe I've had fries from checkers and I think that's, I don't know if that's all I remember, but I'm going Chipotle for that. <laughs> All right. So Chipotle or Subway? Okay. This is, this is, they make it in front of you. And that's what I like about it for both of these. But um, I'm going Subway just because my stomach isn't turned upside down after I eat it. So All right. <laughs> I respect that. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of fast food restaurants that, Turn your stomach upside down. Popeyes or In and Out? Um, give me Popeyes because nice. I really like the rice and the the red beans and rice as the side. All right, all right. Have you had Have you had In and Out before? I haven't, and that's probably the clear reason why yeah. I'm picking Popeyes. Same, but I love Popeyes too, so it was kind of a double whammy for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, Wendy's or White Castle? Give me Wendy's. Nice. All right. So Wendy's or Popeyes? A um, little bit of a shocker here, but I like Wendy's. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the Baconator. It's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Sonic, Sonic or Pizza Hut? Um, you know, my girlfriend's going to kill me for this one, but give me, give me Pizza Hut just because <laughs> I'm not a big yeah. Sonic person. I get <laughs> that. Sonic's kind of overrated. <laughs> no. Oh. All right. McDonald's or Jimmy John's? I love me some Jimmy John's, but I'm going McDonald's here. Classic. <laughs> Can't beat the uh, fries. Oh man. Yeah, fries true. have always been legendary. Yes. <laughs> Unless you McDonald's- reheat them, then it's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> they get all soggy. It's uh, uh but Pizza Hut or McDonald's? Never a fan of Pizza Hut. Always a Papa John's guy, so I'm staying loyal. Give me McDonald's. <laughs> All right, so Chick-fil-A came out at top, correct? Mm-hmm. All right, so believe... Chick-fil-A or Chipotle? I think it was I think it was Subway. Was it Subway? Yeah. Chick-fil-A or Subway? Um, if it wasn't Subway, well, I'm making it Subway and I'm still going Chick-fil-A. <laughs> there you go. Oh. <laughs> there you go. And then um was it Wendy's? Mm-hmm. Uh it, it was McDonald's and Wendy's on this side. Wow. Burger chains for the for the winner. I guess. See here between McDonald's and Wendy's, like all I mean, the burgers are fine. Um I I gotta go with the better fry, and that's McDonald's. See, it depends. The plain fry, I agree, but the bacon eater fries are right. <laughs> so you you're 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 the one and two seed here. McDonald's versus Chick-fil-A. Um, you know, it depends really 
Because it okay right now, I guess I'll go with McDonald's just for the win, just because it's classic. I love the fries. Mm-hmm. It you can never go wrong with it, and it's cheap. Um, Nostalgia, man. It's been around forever. Right, and the Coke's always good there too. I don't know what Hell it is yeah. about it, but um, you know, right now I'm feeling McDonald's. Uh, sometimes I could say Chick Fil A. It just depends on what I'm feeling. So right. McDonald's is coming out in in my bracket, but Ben, how about that? Yeah. yeah, Ben, let's let's run through yours. So Chick Fil A or Arby's? Chick Fil A, Panda Express or Domino's? Chinese makes me sick, so we're doing Domino's. Oh. Okay, so Chick Fil A or Domino's then. then? Yeah, just any. I got a stomach flu. It was bad. Not gonna go into detail <laughs> there. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I respect Thank you. that, man. Yeah. Uh, Chick Fil A or Domino's then? Chick Fil A. Yeah. All right. Uh, we've had this conversation before, actually. That's yeah. funny. Uh, <laughs> um, five guys or Subway? Five guys. Nice. I was going to say, I know my buddy yes. here. Uh, <laughs> Chipotle or Checkers then? I've only had Checkers a few times. Um, I'm going to be honest, I'm disappointed. So we're doing, we're doing Chipotle. Wow. Okay. So Chipotle or five guys then? Five guys. Yeah. All right. Five Guys or Chick-fil-A? To go into the to the to the finals. Who's going? Yeah. Five guys. Yes. Okay. Hell yeah. You know, I got nothing bad to say about five <laughs> yes. guys food, man. They're it's they're a, good. It's rock solid fast food, man. Yes, it is. Anytime um, I get an opportunity, I'd love to go to a five guys. <laughs> for sure. Uh Popeyes are in and out. In and out. Um, I'm again I'm a from the West Coast, in and out there, you know, every corner. I love me some in and out. There you um, go. Wendy's or White Castle? Wendy's. Oh, yeah. All right. Sliders so just Wendy's. make me sick. Sliders are just. Mm, oh, yeah. Can't do it. They, they They're slide not good for right your colon, I'll tell you that. But. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So Wendy's are in and out. In and out. Mm. Okay. Sonic or Pizza Hut? See, you guys are bashing on Sonic, but <laughs> I Sonic, there's so much versatility in Sonic. I I I gotta go with Sonic. <laughs> and they got the it's tops. All, oh yeah. yeah. And it's all fun yeah. and games though, until one of them rollerblades into the side of your car and spills their slushy all over your lap. But <laughs> <laughs> um, McDonald's or Sonic. You didn't even let me pick between McDonald's and Jamie John's. You just I mean, assumed. Sorry. Yeah, you know no, what? you're right. I'm, no, you're I'm, good. You're I'm good. good. I'm only, anyway, I just wanted to complain. Hey, you know what? Hey, I will say this though. That's unfair, but because me and Ben, we eat Jimmy John's all the time when we go over to his place. Oh yeah, um, I love Jimmy John's. Good so place. The nostalgia's there. It's good, but it's an unfair matchup. It is. Um, I mean, it just it's classic. Yeah. So McDonald's or Sonic? Then you, <laughs> you said that right. Uh, yeah so sonic <laughs> okay sonic is coming out all right so sonic are in and out oh here we go decision time we're doing in and out ah stuck to his roots yeah oh, all right so in and out or five guys oh man so this is eric have you ever had in and out I wish I have. My sister has. My mom has because they've traveled to the West Coast. Unfortunately, I've never gotten the opportunity. 
I've heard so, nothing but good things too. Oh, I've heard a ton of great things. It's just I've never, you know, I wish they had at least one around here, but they don't. <laughs> they're it's so similar to to Five Guys. I mean, like they're basically sister restaurants. Well, then I'm sure I'd love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but which one's better? That's tough. I haven't had In and Out in probably four or five years. And we're gonna we're gonna go In and Out though. Yep. Stuck to yeah. it. Stuck to his guns. There you go. All right. So with that, uh, we are going to conclude this week's episode of the Pigskin Project. We hope you guys enjoyed what we had to offer. Um, we have a lot scheduled for next week's show, including our reactions from the Pro Bowl week, Super Bowl previews and picks, and much, much more. So make sure you're subscribed or following us on all platforms. We'd like to give a big thank you to the talented Eric Lambert for coming on the show and anchor.fm for helping us promote our podcast. Please leave a review down below as it helps us more than you know. And that's it for this week. So thanks again for tuning in to the Pigskin Project. Stay warm out there, people. There, there's some pretty crazy weather coming our way. So, all right, on to Super Bowl week. We'll see you guys next week.